Now, Heavenly Father, as we come to the preaching of your word this morning, I pray once again as I have, Lord, even through the night and early this morning and now again that you would bless it. Lord, this is not just a speech. It's not just a time that we hear somebody talk, but it is a truth that can be life-changing. It is not from a textbook or a storybook. It is from the living word of God. May we receive it as you would desire us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Open your Bibles again to our text of Matthew chapter 15 as we will work our way through the text and the message this morning. I want to speak on the subject, there is no love like the love of God. Now, if you paid attention to the scripture reading this morning, our text seems like a harsh and even a hurtful conversation. As this woman comes to Jesus, and at first, he ignores her. He doesn't even speak to her. And it seems to be a harsh and a hurtful conversation, but the truth is, it is a conversation of love. I want to tell you this story to help us and illustrate the message this morning. When I was a boy, I grew up in a very simple time in Appalachia in the 1970s. And I would not say we were poor, though some would look at us that way. And especially now, looking back, I realize we had far more blessings uh, than many folks have today. Uh, poverty is not uh, uh, a lack of uh, money. Uh, poverty is a lack of life. We enjoyed life. We had one another. We had family. God was good to us. But life was simple. <clears throat> In uh, those days, or at least at my house, there were no handouts. That there, there was nothing free uh, for nothing. Anything uh, that you wanted uh, as a boy you had to work for it. And uh, I had chickens and I would sell eggs. I had uh, hogs and I would sell pigs. I raised uh, strawberries. I had a, a paper route. I did a lot of things because uh, I, I was taught to work. I was uh, telling earlier this morning I always wanted a vet. And uh, when I got a paper route, I got one. And that uh, Chevette would go about 30 miles an hour with uh, newspapers in it, about 45 when it was empty. Uh, but, but not only were we required to work for the things we wanted, we had to get permission to buy what we wanted to buy with our own money. You couldn't just get money and go buy what you wanted. You couldn't go waste it. You had to get permission. And uh, there were things I wanted. I remember... Uh, just working around, and my grandfather reaching in, pulling out that Case Double X pocket knife. I thought, wow, that's neat, and uh, I, I, I want me a pocket knife. And uh, I had to not only work uh, to get it, I had to get permission and then the right timing to get it. I, I remember going hunting with my grandfather and with my dad, and I thought it would be a neat thing to own my own shotgun. And uh, so I wanted a shotgun, so I had to take my money that I had uh, worked and earned, but then had to have permission. 
and of course my first shotgun my dad gave me when I was 13 and a shotgun rifle over under 22 and a 410 combined. I remember wanting a pony or a horse and I remember asking my dad if I could buy that pony that belonged uh, to our neighbor. It took a long time to get his permission. You see there was more to uh, there was more to it than just buying the pony that my dad wanted me to know. And uh, when I asked if I could have it, he just basically ignored me at first. And I asked him again, and he said, well, he said, son, having a pony, there's a responsibility. Ponies eat food. And you have to feed them, and they eat every day, and they eat twice a day. And uh, somebody has to buy the feed. I didn't think about that. I thought you just put a quarter in and got on and rode them. And, uh, but, 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 uh, <laughs> but, but he, was, he wouldn't give me permission. He said, no. He said, you know, he said, uh, you, you got to take care of pony even in the wintertime. You can ride it in the spring and summer and fall, but uh, they eat in the winter just like they do in the summertime. And beside that, you have to clean out the stall. A lot of work. It took a long time for me to get my dad to agree for me to have my own pony. Now his delay in answer was not because he didn't love me. His delay was not because I'd asked for something that was wrong or bad. His delay, he wanted me to know the responsibility that came with that privilege of owning a horse or a pony. Now some may call that tough love. I call it the best love a father could give a son. And that illustration helps us to understand what's going on in this story right here. It's important to understand the context of the Jewish life, of who the Gentiles were, of who the Canaanites were. And Jesus is not trying to destroy a woman's faith who comes and asks for help for her daughter, but rather Jesus is working to develop her faith. Did you hear what I said? He was not trying to destroy her faith. He was working to develop her faith. You see, every person has needs, and oftentimes, as this woman, our needs are great. Uh, there are heartaches uh, here this morning. There are folks who have burdens. They're hurting. Sometimes it's, 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 it's a personal need. Sometimes it's in family. Uh, sometimes it's work or finances. There are needs that are uh, needs of desperation here this morning. And uh, there are some who believe that their problems are so great that there's uh, maybe not any help for uh, those needs. May I say this morning, uh, Jesus is the help that we need. And there is nothing that's too hard for God. I'm glad to preach about a God who doesn't just have the chance or a possibility, but he's the God who created the whole world and everything is in it. And our God is able, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm glad our God is able. In our text, we have a woman that has the most difficult problem and burden. This is a mother that is hurting and in a hopeless situation. She can't help her daughter. Her daughter is being destroyed by Satan. Her life is being wrecked and ruined. And there is no burden like the burden of a mother that would come to find help for her daughter. So there are three parts of this passage of Scripture that will 
help us to learn so we can apply to our life. First of all, we see her request in verse number 22. Look at it with me. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. This woman is hurting for her daughter. There is no pain like the pain of a parent hurting for their child who has a problem that they cannot fix or they cannot correct. And she is coming to Jesus saying, My daughter needs help. She needs your help. Mark chapter 7 gives us a little more insight into the same story where the Bible says this, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Perhaps she had heard that Jesus had touched the blinded eyes and made them to see or touched the crippled limbs and made them straight or uh, made the cripple to walk again. And she said, that's the person I need to see that can help my daughter. Uh, my daughter is being destroyed by the devil. I, I'm going to go see this fellow I've heard of. I'm going to go find him and get him uh, to help my uh, daughter. She came to Jesus uh, because faith and hope had been sparked in her heart. Isn't it a good thing when you find out that there is help? I talk to folks who are sick and I do that every day and, and it's always good when they say, well, uh, the doctor said I can treat that or there is a hospital or there is a clinic that can do this surgery and it's not a problem. This woman, she's tried everything, uh, but, but, but uh, dead religion couldn't help her daughter. Uh, she couldn't find help in the society. She couldn't find help in the programs. She couldn't find help anywhere. And so she comes to uh, the Lord Jesus. There are those that are listening to me today, not only here, but across the uh, internet that have a similar problem. And you have a problem that you need help with. You need Jesus to help fix this problem, whether it's family, uh, whether it's finances, or whatever it is. And I say again this morning, it is Christ that can move mountains and meet needs and save souls and forgive sins and perform miracles. And he is the one that can meet our needs. I'm glad the Bible says in Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'm glad he said in Isaiah uh, chapter 55, Ho, he's getting everybody's attention. Uh, he that uh, is thirsty or, or hungry said, I want you to come buy uh, 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 water. I want you to come get milk. I want you to get bread. And uh, those that have no money, I want you to come. Uh, Jesus invites us uh, to come. And so we find this mother's uh, request. Second of all, we find not only a request, we find her resilience. Oh, listen to this now. We find her resilience in verses 23 through 27. This woman comes to Jesus for help, but she doesn't get the response she imagined. But I want to say right off, she didn't stop asking. She was persistent. She was resilient. There are many obstacles that had to be overcome in her life to get the help that was needed. And it seems that she met resistance to her request at every turn. Now I'm getting to the key of the message. Don't miss it. 
So often, we want God to help us as we want to be helped and then go on our way most often the same way that we came to Jesus for help. But Jesus wants to do more than help with the problem. He wants to change our life. Woman's not thinking about her. She's got one problem. That's all she wants. God, I want you to fix this problem. And she didn't get the answer that she expected. And so often we come to God and we say, God, I have this need. I want you to fix it. God, I have this problem. I want you to solve it. God, I have this burden. I want you to carry it. We come to God and we bring our problems like we do at our maintenance shop. Fix this and I'll be back in two days to get it. Fix this and I'll get it and I'll come back and pick it up next week. God said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand you have a problem that you need fixed. But I can come to fix problems. I came to change lives. There's more to it than you just getting your problem solved. So many people that get mad at God because God won't work for them. They can't pay God to work for them. They can't pray God to work for them. You see, he's not the created. He's the creator. I'm the created. God doesn't work for me. I'm supposed to work for him. My illustration of wanting permission to have a pony is a little picture of what's going on here. My dad wasn't against me having the things I wanted. Wouldn't ask him for anything that was wrong or bad. He just wanted me to know there's more to this than what you see. You see the privilege. I want to show you the responsibility. Are you with me this morning? You, you, you see yourself saddling up after school and riding up and down the road and across the mountain. You see yourself as John Wayne and, and Matt Dillon running around. I, I know what you see. That pony has to eat before you go to school. And Dad said, I'm not feeding it. And I'm not buying the feed. You are. So there are going to be times you're going to have to make a decision if you're going to buy horse feed or you're going to stop and get you a Pepsi Cola and a pack of nabs. So he wasn't being unkind by telling me to wait or to think. He was saying with that privilege there comes a responsibility. So when this woman says, I've got a problem, I have a woman that the devil's destroying and, and I've heard about you and I, I just came to tell you about my problem and I want you to fix it for me. Jesus didn't even respond. And he wants to get this woman's attention and thank God he did. There are a lot of things in this text we can learn about this woman and difficulties that she faced. But I want you to get the purpose of the message. He doesn't want to solve your problems. He wants to change your life. And if you think God is just a problem solver, you may never get your problem solved until you let him change your life. It's like this. Some folks just want to go to the doctor and tell the doctor what the problem is so they can get the pill that fixes the problem. But the doctor so rudely says, 
I see here you're overweight. I see here you only exercise once a month. I see here, wait, Doc, I didn't come talk to you about personal things. I just want medicine for this high blood pressure I have. And you're making it worse right now. I'm going to need two prescriptions. I mean, I'm adding stress to my... Yeah. But the doctor doesn't just give you a pill to fix the symptom they say. Maybe you need to change your way of life. That's exactly what's going on right here. But that story wasn't given for us to know about so we can tell bedtime stories at night to our children. That story is for us to say, when I go to God and I say, God, I have a problem, I want you to fix it, God looks at me and examines me. But wait, God, I didn't come for me. I want you to fix this problem, I know. But if I can fix you, I can keep you from having that problem. Are you with me this morning? We look at the fact this woman had a race problem to deal with. Verse 21, she was from Tyre and Sidon. Verse 22, she was a Canaanite. Two things about this woman. She was a descendant of a cursed people. And she was from a region known for vile religious practices. He knew about this woman and there was a race problem. There was a religion problem. She said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. This is a Gentile crying out to a Jewish Messiah. She could not come to Jesus through Judaism. She was a Gentile. In verse 23, the Bible says, And Jesus answered her not a word. There are folks here today, you think God's mad at you because he won't answer your prayer. He's not interested in answering a prayer until he changes our life. This woman had to overcome not just a race problem, but racism. The disciples said, Lord, this woman, now she's aggravating us. Tell her to go away. She's, she's Gentile anyway. The disciples said in her presence, tell this woman to leave. She's not only asking you questions you won't answer, she's now crying out to us. She had to overcome rejection. Jesus' words seem harsh. She had to be upset, and I'm not talking about upset like people are today, People today are upset waiting to find out what they're upset about. She wasn't upset about, about all these things I've mentioned. She was upset in a sad, rejected way. Why? Why won't, you, why won't you fix the problem? Why won't you help my daughter? I thought you came to help people. She has to overcome this rejection. First he ignores her. Then he tells her that his purpose in coming was for the house of Israel. And I'm careful in saying this because it's, it would be terribly misunderstood in our world today. She tells her that she is a Gentile and in those days a, 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 a cur or stray dog and a Gentile was seen as the same way. They weren't seen as equal to a person. He refers to her as a dog. Now, now don't put that in our day. Everybody's tearing down every statue in the country today because they, 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 don't, they don't have enough sense to know history didn't begin when they were born. Life was going on before we got here. You can't, you put yourself in their situation. No, we wouldn't have a statue to you because you'd run from the war rather than win it. We'd been speaking something beside English if you were in charge. Anyway, that's another message. Don't, don't get mad about that one. Just, just stay on this one, all right? She had to overcome rejection. Then she had to overcome a reality. And the reality was harsh. Her life was being destroyed by the devil. She's a Gentile and it seems that there's a hopeless situation. 
You know, there are many people, they know they need Jesus and they need his help today, some for salvation, some help in other major ways, but there are hindrances. There are folks here today and folks that are watching me today, they need God's help, but they feel like, you feel like, I don't have any right to go to him. Who am I? I'm like this Gentile woman. I'm like a, I'm like a, 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 a dog on the outside. I, I'm not a part of the in crowd. I don't have a right to go to to go to God. Some have experienced the failure of religion or, or the hurt of religious people or have experienced the failure of self-help. Maybe you've cried out and, then there, and there's been no help at all and you feel like giving up. Most of the time when we go to God, we want what we want, but we do not want to be changed. This mother came for help for the girl. Jesus wanted to help not just the girl. He wanted to help the mother and the girl. Jesus isn't saying that she can't have uh, what is given to Israel. He is telling her that your life needs to be changed as much or more than your daughter's problem being solved. Let's walk through it again. Look at verse 22. She calls on Jesus as a Messiah and she receives no help. Verse number 22 says, And behold, a woman in Canaan uh, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed, but he answered her not a word. Verses 24 and 5, When she hears Jesus tell her, that he came to the nation of Israel, she's moved beyond seeing him as helping the girl and she sees him as her only hope. And I want you to notice what happens in verse number 25. Then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. Now she came to ask help for her daughter. But she found out it's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now she's not saying my daughter doesn't need help anymore. She said, I realize that I came into the presence of Christ. I need help as well. Now in verses 26 and 7, I want you to look at it. It may be difficult and seem harsh, but I want you to see it's just a, it's just a metaphor. Look at verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. The word dogs there is talking about the stray dog. Many of them in those days, they were just stray dogs. They would get whatever they could get to eat. Verse 27, and she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs, now wait a minute, this is a different kind of dog right here. I want you to see it. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She said, I understand that about those dogs. But she said, aren't there those that have dogs as pets that stand beside them when their master is eating, hoping to get a crumb? Crumb nothing. My dog wants the whole thing. My dog got what it wanted. It'd eat the meal and I'd eat the crumbs. This is a metaphor. She is saying, I understand that. And I know I'm a Gentile. I understand that. But there are dogs, even though... They're beggars. They're at their master's table and they beg for just a crumb. My dog will eat green beans. 
Now, if you put green beans in a bowl, they'd mold. But if I'm eating green beans and I offer her one, she'll eat asparagus. In fact, that's what I do with my asparagus. I feed it to the dog. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. You didn't hear that part of the... You know what this woman say? I need help for my daughter. But I need help for me too. And I'm not leaving until I at least get a crumb. She's like your little dog. She won't leave, she won't hush. She just keeps barking. Now I want you to notice what happens. We see a request, we see, we see a resilience, and then we see a reward. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now look at me and I'm finished with this statement. We all go to God with needs, all of us do. From the youngest child to the oldest adult, we all go to God with needs. We all do, whether it's physical, metal, uh, medical, mental, emotional, real, financial, whatever it is, we go to God. I'm going to ask you a question. As God looks at you, he sees more than you need. He sees the change that needs to be made in our life. Are you willing to let him change you so he can meet your need? Are you going to do as the world is doing today, saying, God isn't fair, he won't do what I told him to do, and so I quit God. I quit. I tried church and it didn't work. I prayed three times, I never did get an answer. God's not interested in just fixing your problems. He's interested in changing our life. I'd rather have a doctor that rather than just giving me a pill for every problem would say to me, if you cut back on your calories and exercise a little more, we wouldn't even need to talk about this problem. Are you with me this morning? Dad, I want a pony. Well, it's a good pony. It's a pretty pony. I really want it. Son, there's a lot of responsibility. I know, Dad. I know. I promise. I, 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 I promise I'll feed it. And I fed it whether I kept my promise or not. He made sure I kept my promise. And I'm thankful for a dad that gave me tough love and said, can I tell you something? The joy of riding that pony, <laughs> I enjoyed that, but I learned more from the responsibility than I got joy from riding the pony. I don't want God just fix my problems. I want God to change me. The greatest love you'll ever experience is a love of God. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, no person in this book ever came to you with a problem that you didn't desire to help. But in every case before the blessing came, you changed the person or you prepared the person. I'm amazed at how you blessed Jacob and made him Israel. But all the years of changing his life before he ever became Israel. 
I'm amazed at how you blessed Joseph. But Lord, the many years in preparing Joseph before the blessings came. Help us not to be angry at you when you don't just solve our problems. Help us, Lord, to be willing to submit to you that you may change our lives and solve the problem as well. I pray for those that are here today that have never trusted you as Savior. I pray that today they would trust you as Savior. And many would like to have salvation, but they don't want you to change your life. And I pray that, Lord, they would yield their lives to you. I pray, Lord, for those that do have needs, they would not shy away from asking you, but, Lord, understand, he not only will fix my problem, he'll change me in the process. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.